welcome to the New Mama podcast. I'm Lauren, a new mama to little Logan, and I'm here to share women's stories of pregnancy, birth, and motherhood. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. We're talking about the ups and downs of motherhood through raw, vulnerable, no BS conversations, because in reality, you can't have a rainbow without a little rain. This podcast is here to be your friend, the friend I'd wish I'd had in my darkest times to remind me that I was not alone. And it's okay to not be okay. We're in this together and mama, you got this. Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode of the new mama podcast. I'm joined today by Stacey Fraser. Stacey is an office manager in the corporate world as well as mama to little 16 month old Summer. She lives in Melbourne with her husband, Glenn, is a self-proclaimed olive addict and cannot wait to take Summer to travel overseas. Welcome, Stacey. Hi. (laughs) So an olive obsession, that's pretty niche. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I remember my mum telling me, I think I was about three years old and we're at my aunt's house and she had, you know, like a little cheese platter on the table And she's like, then you just disappeared. And then I looked and the whole bowl of olives had disappeared. And then I found you in a corner and you just sat there and ate the whole bowl of olives. Oh, wow. And you'd removed all the pips. Like she was like, no, the pips. (laughs) Ran over and I had a little bowl of the pips there on the side. So, (laughs) and it just never stopped. Well, I guess being a child, there's worse addictions to have. Yes, that's true. That's true. Has Summer started on the olives yet? Yes, she has. Oh, does she like them? yes she does she likes more olive bread though oh yeah that's also niche yeah (laughs) my parents have olive trees and I keep like handing her some and sometimes she's like yeah I love these and then other days just won't have a bar of them oh god that's like feeding a toddler anyway right (laughs) yeah true like today I'm gonna love bolognese and tomorrow I'm gonna hate it and I'm just gonna keep you on your toes (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly exactly So speaking of summer, let's jump into yes. the episode. Was summer planned? Yes, she was. So we had, I'd gone off the pill in about April of the, the year that we conceived. Um, and I had been on the pill for over 12 years. Um, so I thought I'll give my body a bit of a break, go off the pill. And then my periods were just super out of whack. Um, you mm. know, some days they'd go for a day and then others they'd be three days or five days and heavy and light and Mm. and so I was like oh it's probably a good thing I gave my body a bit of a break but when we did decide to finally start trying I just thought this isn't going to happen like this is going to take ages Mm. and I bought all the I like bought the you know the pee strips to let you know when you're ovulating and I you know I was tracking my Mm. period on the app but even on the app I was just like I don't know how accurate this is going to be because because my period was so out of whack but luckily I was (laughs) ovulating and we did conceive but even though we had I was still I still got my period for about three months um Mm. so the first period I got uh was pretty I think it was you know like two three days or something like that and was just pretty normal and then the one after that was definitely lighter but was Mm. still there and then it was not long after that that I found out that I was pregnant yeah I had kind of like started to feel a bit nauseous some days but it wasn't that bad and because I Mm. didn't realize I was pregnant I was still living my life normally I was still eating all the foods and drinking all the drinks and you know just living my life normally yeah and had done I think it was around my birthday had 
had a couple of days in a row where I was feeling a bit nauseous and decided to do take a pregnancy test because my husband was like, mm-hmm. I just feel like something's going on. Mm. Took the pregnancy test. I think we did two that weekend and they were both negative. Oh. So that was fine and kept living. And then it was a couple of days after that, kept, like I said, oh, I'm like still feeling nauseous, still feeling nauseous. And Glenn was like, can you just go to the doctor? Like <laughs> something's going on. And if you're not pregnant, it's going to be something else. So just go and get it sorted. Yeah. And yeah, and that's when I went to the doctor and I just said, you know, I've done pregnancy tests, it's coming out negative, but we did try a couple of months ago, like don't know what's going on. And as soon as I took the test with him, it came up straight away mm. and he was like, oh, you're definitely pregnant. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. I wonder why you were getting the negatives then. Every pregnancy test I have done has been negative, like the at-home ones. Yeah. Oh everyone interesting once I found out I was pregnant like we went because it was around my birthday it kind of worked out well because we were having a big lunch with my family the doctor was like because you've had your periods we don't Mm. really know how far along you are or what's going on um sent me down for a scan to get a more accurate measurement so did that and was able to get the ultrasound so when we had our big family lunch everyone was eating and I was like hey guys oh that's (laughs) so nice yeah it was so cute and it was nice to actually be able to like show them something as well yeah yeah you're like everyone put down your olives I have an announcement (laughs) 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 oh so how how far along were you then when you find out I think it was eight or nine weeks yeah when we found out yeah yeah and no other symptoms no it wasn't until I think I was about six months and then I started feeling Mm. really really tired like really tired and I remember even being at work and I was eating my lunch one day just in the kitchen and and I fell asleep like midway through my meal I was so tired (laughs) oh gosh it's it's crazy isn't it the exhaustion and the fatigue and how much it hit you hits you I remember I couldn't believe it yeah I mean I'm not one to nap and I have never napped so much in my life like particularly in that third trimester because your body just feels so heavy and your body's working overtime Mm -hmm. to make this baby and it's just crazy yes I totally agree I'm not a napper either so that really hit me like a ton of bricks yeah but to your point around the pregnancy tests I remember I (laughs) I knew I was pregnant I just I think you just have this feeling and Matt and I, I'd always been told that I would struggle to conceive mm-hmm. and we started trying just after we canceled our wedding. Cause we were like, well, let's skip that life phase and let's just move straight on to the next one. Mm-hmm. So, and I just had a feeling I was pregnant and I remember we were in the car and we had this massive argument and I screamed at Matt and I have never done that before. (laughs) And I even shocked myself and I was like, that's so out of character for me. That was not me speaking. Like, whoa, who was that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I was like, let's go and take a pregnancy test. And I took it and this was the Friday and it was negative. And then on the Monday, for whatever reason, because in a pack you have more than one, Mm. on the Monday morning, I was like, oh, they say to take it first thing because your HCG levels are higher or whatever. Um, so yeah. I took a test and it was positive. So it's just so interesting, isn't it, that yeah. those tests work for some people and not others? Yeah. Well, and even touching back on that again, when I had my bleed around the three month mark, mm. I when I knew I was pregnant, I had my scans, and obviously when I started bleeding that time, I totally freaked out. Whereas the other times, mm. I was like, oh well, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Mm. But when I actually knew and I had my bleed, I freaked out and I called my mom I called my sister like I was like what do I do what do I do like it's Sunday like I can't go down to the doctors like they're closed and my sister was like just go to the supermarket get some tests and Mm. yeah negative and then 
I finally found a doctor not too far away that was open. So I rushed down yeah. there and I just said, I'm like, I know I'm pregnant. I've had this, this, this test. And she also was like, oh, I think we're going to have to send you off to get some more scans done. I don't know. Like you're going to have to call this place to find out where to get a scan done. Um, yeah. And anyway, and she's like, look, let's just do another like a, a urine test here. Uh, and then it came up positive again. She's like, well, this is definitely saying that you're pregnant still. And I'm like, oh, mm. what is going on? <laughs> I keep buying all these dud tests. Yeah, and the tests are not bloody cheap either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you continue bleeding throughout your pregnancy or was it just in the early stages? No, no. At that one, that last one was the, the last one. So it was just the first kind yeah. of three months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's great. Yeah, yeah. So how was how was Summer's birth when it came around? So it didn't go as planned. Um, I got to 42 weeks with Summer um, pretty much to the day. I was super determined to have a natural birth. I just wanted to let my body do its thing and... I really just, I wanted as little invention as possible. And, you know, all the midwives and everything that I'd seen leading up were all really positive about that. And, you know, we're totally mm. fine with it. Towards the end, I started having a few stretch and sweeps. And yep. they're glorious, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> super fun. Super fun. <laughs> and um, oh. they, they did often say, you're not ripe. Like you're not looking very ripe and or your cervix is really high um and so which isn't ideal for a Mm. a natural or vaginal birth Mm -hmm. anyway so I kept like towards I think when I got to about 40 weeks I was going in every second day for a checkup yeah and they were doing a stretch and sweep every second day I went so every time I went in there I was getting a stretch and sweep and every time they kept saying your cervix is still really high Mm. I just had one midwife kind of be quite frank with me and just say, look, I think it's like we should start looking at induction dates. And yeah. I was like, I really don't want this. And she's like, I know, I totally get it, but let's just book something in because it was a public hospital and they said they only take three bookings for inductions each day. Mm. So she's like, let's just book it in. If something happens before then or if you want to cancel it when it comes to the date, you can, but let's just lock it in. Yeah. And I was like, okay, fine. So I did that pretty much right on 42 weeks. So that came, that date came around. I kept going in every second day and still getting my stretch and sweeps and scans and everything. And it was all fine. Went into the hospital. Uh, they, you know, had all my bags and everything packed. We were all excited. I had um, the heart, heart monitors on my belly. Yeah, the CTG. And yes. And I was just laying down and then, you know, you can see on the machine and it's beeping and all the rest of it. And then I was just watching it and I made like a different beep and it showed that her heart rate had had dropped. And then I was like, oh, well, it'll go back up. And my husband's looking at me like with wide eyes, like what was that? Yeah. (laughs) And then it happened again and then it happened again. And my midwife comes in and she's like, oh, can we get you to stand up, roll around? And she was kind of, you know, poking and prodding a little Mm. bit, um, getting me to walk around um, just to, you know, see because she thought maybe – um, she was blocking her umbilical cord or something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she just hit the buzzer on the back wall and like within 10 seconds I had about 10 doctors and nurses and midwives rush into the room. Gosh. Um, I was getting scans done, like ultrasounds and an internal ultrasound and and the doctor just pretty much said, look, if we're going to induce, we're going to have to start it right now. We're not going to wait any longer you know, her heart rate keeps dropping. 
because it actually dropped so low that on the screen it just had no heart rate. Like it was just oh, a question mark. Gosh. And that was when our hearts just dropped. Like we didn't mm-hmm. know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of said, something's going on. It'd be best to prep you for surgery. And I was just like, no, absolutely not. Like that's the last yeah. thing I want. Yeah. And he was like, okay, we'll, we'll see what we can do about inducing you straight away, but it's going to have to be like fast. And then her heart rate dropped again and it was just the question marks again. And he went, all right, that's off the cards now. We're prepping you. Mm-hmm. Then all the midwives and nurses just pretty much jumped on me. I had one undressing me. I had one popping a cannula in my arm. I had, you know, they were taking my shoes off and putting <sighs> a gown on me. And I just was bawling my eyes out I was just hysterical and my husband's just there like it's okay it's okay like you both just need to be safe and I was just like you don't understand (laughs) (laughs) he would have been panicking as well seeing you like that and the stress of it all yeah and he was just obviously all he wanted was for both of us to be safe and that's what he just kept saying like if this if this means you're both safe then I think we we just need to listen to the doctors Stacey like they know better than we do yeah and and yeah, just before they were about to put me on the, you know, on the trolley, I was like, guys, I just need a minute. I need a minute. And they were like, you don't have a minute. And I was like, give me a minute. I just oh. need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you can have 30 seconds. So I went into the bathroom. I just cried a little bit more, wiped my tears away. And I was like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Got on the bed. And then two seconds later, just started hysterically crying again. And they were just so, all the midwives and the doctors and everyone were just so, so nice. I was, Mm. you know, as I was being wheeled to the, you know, through the hallways and down to surgery, and they were like, hey, Stace, we're having a baby today. And I'm like, yeah, I guess we are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, and they were just, you know, they they were just really trying to get me in good, good spirits, I suppose, but I was just being way too emotional and yeah and even when I went into surgery I think I kind of started feeling like almost getting into a bit of shock Mm. um I started shaking like uncontrollably my teeth were chattering I was crying like I I couldn't talk and this was before any drugs yeah before anything yeah yeah and Glenn said he's like you just kind of went white like I didn't know what was going on yeah, then when they were putting the needle in my spine, they were like, you really need to hold still. And I'm like, I, I actually can't. Like, I'm not, I, can't, I feel like I can't control my body mm. right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but they managed to get it done and everything. And the whole time they're, you know, cutting me open, they're like, how are you doing, Stace? Like, you feeling good? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are so good at doing that, aren't they? Like, bless them. They must have oh. dealt with so many hysterical and uncontrollable <laughs> yeah. women in their in their time that they yeah. just know the drill. Yeah, exactly. They're amazing. Especially uh, the, one, um, the one surgical nurse that was in there, she was just so, so lovely. Like mm. she was like, give me your phones. I'll take photos for you guys. And, and then, and I cried the whole way through it. I just yeah. didn't stop. And then when oh. they put her on my chest, then I just totally lost it. <laughs> I was like <laughs> even yeah. more hysterically crying. And I was oh. just like, oh my God, I've never cried yeah. like this before in my life. Yeah. It's amazing what the hormones and the emotions do to you, isn't it? Oh Yeah. But yes, so it was nice once we finally had her out and she was safe. So, and yeah, and so the reason behind them having to do the um, cesarean was Summer did a little poo inside, so all the meconium. Oh, yeah. And that was obviously blocking her airways and that's why she wasn't showing a heart rate. If I hadn't have been in hospital 
on that day at that time. Yeah. I don't, you know, who knows what could have happened, but it would have been a very different story. That's for sure. Yeah, because you had booked in for your induction at 42 weeks and, oh, that's so scary because, Mm. like, when they're in your stomach, you don't know what's going on. Like, you have no idea. And I think when I was looking into it, I think the meconium is passed in around 10% of births, which is pretty, it's higher than I thought it was. Yeah, right. I haven't actually even looked at that myself. But, yeah, yeah, like, they, and they... I don't know. I suppose they didn't know when they were prepping me for surgery. They didn't, I don't think they knew that she'd done that. I don't know if they saw it from the ultrasound or whatnot or if they can. Um, mm. I think it normally shows up when your waters break because yeah. there's the color of it in your waters. But did your waters break? No, no, absolutely. Yeah. My body was not ready for birth at, yeah. at all. Like she was very comfy in there. <laughs> oh, so. bless her. Because they don't, they don't typically let you go past forty-two weeks, do they? No, but they and they yeah. were, they were really good about it. Because um, that that's something that I had expressed right from the start that I wanted to let my body go into labour naturally, and they were yeah. really good about it. But they did say, I think it was from about thirty-eight weeks that they were. That's when they'll kind of amp up a bit more pressure on making you make some decisions and all the rest of it. But mm. they were really great, and they were really respectful of my decision. Yeah. Um, and I, one of my best friends is midwife as well. So that helped. So I was kind of constantly sending her lots of questions and she mm. was super helpful with everything. Yeah. Did she have any issues post-birth because of the meconium or was she completely fine? Totally fine. Yeah. Okay. Spoken to um, my brother-in-law's parents, the doctors, and I remember telling them the story and they also said, you know, you're very, very lucky. Mm. You were in the hospital at that exact time. Yeah. But I suppose that just, you know, it, it really goes to show how much like, you know, I, I, I found a lot of the time um, when I was pregnant, they, everyone, all the midwives and anyone, you know, that's had a baby and, you know, any podcasts or books that you read, they constantly tell you to, to watch for movement and, yeah. and to know what it's like to really kind of understand your body and understand your pregnancy. Mm. Because if something like this happens and you're not near a hospital or, you know, you don't feel kicks or something like that go to a hospital straight away yeah because you know you just don't know what's going on inside Mm. no I totally agree and it's it's interesting isn't it because I was over with Logan I think I was about 10 days over and Mm. I started contracting really early but he was posterior so I was actually in early labor for 52 hours before he arrived wow whoa um, yeah, I know that's a long time brutal um yeah. yeah I mean it was it was obviously tough and the contractions were in my back so it was really painful oh. but I remember Matt and I went to the hospital twice before we were eventually admitted and I think at this point because I was over and I was so over it and I was so nervous about his health when we went in it was the same thing they put me on the ctg his heart rate was dropping so they decided to break my waters but when they broke my waters his head was so far down that nothing happened Uh so the waters didn't break nothing happened but his heart rate kept dropping and then when he was born the umbilical cord was actually around his neck oh that was actually me when <laughs> when I was born. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's quite common. And you just don't yeah. know what the umbilical cord is doing. Like I did another podcast and one of the mums said the cord was around her foot. Yeah. Um, so she had to have an emergency C-section too. Yeah. 
and I don't know about you, but I follow so many mum birthing things on Instagram and I've seen so many where mm. they've the, the mum's had their baby and the umbilical cord has been wrapped around their neck. Like it sounds yeah. like it's quite super common. Yeah. Otherwise Absolutely. it's just all the pages that I'm following just <laughs> all the time. Yeah, no, it, it, I mean, it is, it's, it's a, it's a cord at the end of the day, it can be anywhere. Mm. And because he had to turn in utero before he came out, I had a obstetrician there ready to do a full episiotomy to get him out thinking that he was wow. still posterior and he flipped at the very last minute. Um, oh, lucky. Yeah. And because wow. I saw the cord around his neck when he came out, and I was like, oh my God, the cord, it's around his neck. And he wasn't like, he wasn't screaming or breathing or choking or anything at this point. And I just was fully panicked. But then they started rubbing yeah. him and he was fine. But yeah, you, as you oh, said, yeah. you just don't know what's happening in, in the stomach. So. But she arrived safe and sound, yes. um, and that yes. is the main thing, as your husband said. So how, yes. how have you found becoming a new mum since she's been in the world? I have absolutely loved it oh. and loved it way more than I thought I would, to be honest. Like, yeah. uh, I never really thought I was an overly maternal person, um, you know, and heaps of my friends have kids. And as much as I love seeing all their kids and everything, I'd be like, yeah, cool, all right, well, I'm going to go do this now. <laughs> and you know just having that freedom and being able to like you know see their kids and then you know disassociate from it or whatever but it really really did hit me differently and I and I absolutely love it like I really really mm. enjoy it you know yeah the goods the bads the uglies <laughs> yeah and I know what you mean I don't really consider myself to be a particularly maternal person either but when they're here when they're yours it's just it's insane Different. how much you just feel like, you know, I was born to be a mom and this is the best thing ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And now I'm like, oh, I so get why everyone talks about their kids because they're awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got friends that aren't mums and I swear to God, they must think I'm the most boring person ever. Cause I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Logan slept for eight hours last night. And they're looking at me like, really? Like, are we having this conversation? I don't really care. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, speaking of sleep, how's summer sleep been? Is there anything that you've struggled with in terms of sleep, breastfeeding, anything else? Yeah, well, at the start, I really, really struggled with the lack of sleep. And as much as I thought at the time she was the worst sleeper in the world, now I look back and I'm like, she was actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I like regardless of whether she was good or not, I was I really struggled with the lack of sleep way more than I thought yeah. I would. There's days I wouldn't know what day it was, what time it was, where I was, what I needed to be doing. I was just so, mm. so totally out of it. And I don't like, obviously, every every mum's different, but it, the lack of sleep really hit me good. And I think that was one of the things that was good about COVID and lockdown was mm. I wasn't having heaps of visitors or anything like that. So it was, you know, it was easier to be tired and you know stay in my trackies all day and not have anyone to meet or anywhere to go because mm -hmm. I think that I really would have struggled with that I think yeah and you say it hit you hard in in what way do you mean just the with the sleep not being able to catch up and not feeling alone and yeah. you almost feel like no one understands how tired I am yeah <laughs> but literally every mum understands how tired you are yeah but. And yeah, and those nights when you're you're up and your partner's beside you in Snoozetown and <laughs> you just want to smother them with a pillow. <laughs> and 
again. Yeah, because you, know, like... <laughs> yeah, you breastfed and you, so obviously you were on call. Yeah. 24-7. Yeah. And that's the thing, I suppose, it's it's really, it's a catch-22. Like you really want to, like I really, really wanted to breastfeed. Like that was really important to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just putting extra pressure on yourself when you could be potentially handballing a feed over to your partner and you don't yeah because you feel like it's all on you mm. and especially at the start like they're such slow feeders <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's a full-time job isn't it oh my gosh is it ever yeah it's like the baby's napping let's do something oh no they've only napped for half an hour and now it's time for a feed and the feed's yeah. gonna be half an hour because you have to do both breasts and da, 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 da. it's just uh, never ending and that actually really confused me at the start as well because they're like oh you know they should only be awake for 45 minutes and I'm like it takes her 45 minutes for on mm. one boob like how am I yeah. I don't get how I'm supposed to like what is going yeah. on and did you get any help in the sleep area I at 3 a.m I think one time in the middle of a feed I was just like oh my god something's wrong like it surely it can't be this hard all of the time <laughs> yeah and I bought a um a sleep program so I think I bought newborn to three months or something like that and then ended up buying three months to nine, 12 months or nine months or whatever it was yeah they were actually fantastic it was really simple it was smooth like a, you know some of them I found really quite harsh and mm. this one was a bit more hey look try this but if it doesn't work don't beat yourself up over it just try again for the next nap or the next day or or whatever it might be to make you not stress because I you know I feel like I put a lot of stress on myself and I know my husband did sometimes too like trying to get her to sleep Mm. and you know she'd nap for sometimes she you know when they catnap and they nap for like 20 minutes and then you spend two hours rocking them trying to get them back to sleep Yeah. You know, um, but I did put a lot of effort into trying to get her to be a good sleeper and I do feel like it paid off. Well, yeah, you were just saying earlier, she's been sleeping from what, 12.30 to 4 for an afternoon nap. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's the best. Like I actually have free time on my hands (laughs) at the moment, which is amazing. So for the listeners who might be also dealing with sleep issues, what sleep school was it? What manual did you buy? So have you heard of the midwife mama? Yeah. On Instagram. So I used her baby sleep school. Yeah. I'll tag in the show notes. Yes. And I like I've had a few friends also use their programs. And I recently told my sister who's had her second bub about the guidelines. Like I just, yeah, I just found them really easy to understand and Mm. to break down. And they were gentle. It wasn't gentle enough that it's not doing anything. Yeah but it wasn't too strict that it was making me feel uncomfortable. Mm. It was, I found it really kind of go with the flow. Um, But hey, if this helps, try this. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. And just like, yeah, I don't know about you, but I just felt really overwhelmed and confused even with like when they're supposed to feed, when they're supposed to nap, when you're supposed to change them. Yeah. And, you know, and we would bath her in the middle of the day and then, she'd be all like oh sleepy but then wouldn't sleep later on at night you know little things like that that help yeah you you know you might not know have you heard of midwife Kath yes I got her first six weeks book and she does the BBB routine which is (laughs) yeah bottle bed yes and we did it so that my partner actually did it so one of Matt's cousins actually she's got three kids and she she recommended to me to um to do that routine because that really worked for them because 
I think you and I are quite similar. Mm-hmm. Sleep is really important to me. And I said to Matt, I said, I'm not going to be able to function if I can't get, you know, solid, even if it's four hours at a time, that's kind of optimum functioning um, amount of time for sleep. And yeah, so sometimes I would go to bed at like, say, 8 p.m. And then he would do the routine when Logan was a real kind of new newborn. Yeah. And he would then go to bed later. But then it was me getting up through the night. So Matt was obviously back at work at that point and it would mean that I could get from 8 p.m till maybe 1 a.m or 2 a.m or whenever Logan woke up and then I'd feel like at least I got a solid amount of sleep so that really worked well for us but I think it's just about consistency whichever method you choose just making sure you stick to it yes I totally agree and see that's one thing I did find hard my husband's an electrician and being a tradie he is up super early in the morning and goes to bed super early at night and so I did feel like a lot of, like definitely during the week, I felt like a lot of the feeds were on me to do. Mm. And as much as he was great on the weekends and he's a super hands-on dad, yeah, it was, you know, those Monday to Friday hours were, they were my job. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. We introduced formula, I think it was at about seven or eight months. Yeah. Because some was, I think she was, she was sick with something and they said, you know, if you just mix this through a bit of milk, and by that stage, I was like, I've given this such a good nudge. And she's eating now as well. So I didn't feel as funny about formula by that mm. stage. Mm-hmm. And I was still, I still kept breastfeeding, but whenever it came to giving her medicine, instead of st- sitting there and pumping and putting it, you know, into the freezer and all the rest of it, yeah. um, we just put a, got some formula and put her medication in there. Yeah. And then we also just found that a bit easier. So if I ever really was tired or something, I just had the tin there. And I could just say, you just need to do the bedtime now. Yeah. And he was able to. And I think he also liked being able to help and contribute a bit more as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was important for Matt in establishing that routine early on. And Matt, even to this day, Logan's nearly eight months and Matt still does the bath every night and the bottle to bed. But in the early days, I would feed around 6 p.m. and then I would pump more so that he was still getting my milk in the bottle and I think the day that I decided to give up pumping was like I just felt like I got so much time back and it was great but then as soon as you give up one feed and then you give up another feed like it's amazing how quickly your body adapts and then I think my supply started really to start to diminish and then I tried lactation cookies and then I was like you know what this is all just getting a bit much and then decided to go completely over to formula but yeah it's just personal choice yeah and there's definitely a lot of pressure I think and about breastfeeding and I think you know even now I think there's still a lot of pressure for for mums to breastfeed and to solely breastfeed yeah um yeah it's funny I just (laughs) I did a lactation course at the hospital and luckily it was there was a gap in COVID so we were able to go in (laughs) and we went in and I remember the midwife doing it she was pretty old school and the first thing she said she said look, we're not supposed to say breast is best, but, and I'm like, <laughs> but breast is oh. best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The same thing pretty much happened with my sister-in-law. They went to their, I think it was my sister-in-law. They went to their class and she just pretty much said, if you're even thinking about using formula, you can just leave the class now. <gasps> okay. No, that's too much. It was something along those lines anyway. Wow. Yeah. Totally too much because there's some women that actually can't breastfeed and it's not a very nice feeling having someone say something like that to you like it's there's so much pressure on you as it is 
you don't need something like that added to it at all. Exactly. So moving on from breastfeeding, has there been anything else that you've particularly struggled with becoming a new mum? I suppose for me, like not necessarily as becoming a mum, but I think the thing that I really struggle with at the moment is more to do with COVID and some are not having the same experiences and interactions with kids and with friends as other kids and as we would have had growing up. And, you know, and that really upsets me. Like I hate that she's not getting those same experiences and, you know, and just being able to do whatever she wants, whenever she wants and having those social interactions. It makes me so upset. Yeah. You've got to make the most of a bad situation and and do what you can do. But I would say that's probably what I've struggled with. And she's not going to remember. I know, but it still drives me bananas. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. I feel the same about Logan. Everyone's like, how are you coping in lockdown? And a friend of mine and I yesterday were talking about toxic positivity and how everyone's like, oh, yeah, fine. And there's so many other people in the world that have it worse off. But you're actually, you're allowed to sit and be pissed off and you're allowed to sit and be annoyed or frustrated at the world with how it is. Cause same with Logan. I mean, he's only, he's not even eight months, so he won't Mm. remember. But for me, I feel like I get to enjoy Logan and that's great, but everyone else is missing out on enjoying him and watching him and that kind of thing. And that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. (laughs) And we've discussed recently around not being able to ask for help or finding it difficult to ask for help. Yeah, How did that play out for you in the early stages? I really struggled with that. I am a very proud person. I like things done a certain way. And I found it really, really hard to accept help or ask for help. You know, my friends and my family are so amazing and were constantly messaging me saying, what do you need? What can I do? Can I bring this over? And, you know, and me just being like, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I don't need help. It's, you know, you live your life, you know. (laughs) Positivity. (laughs) Totally. And, you know, and it was really hard. And like, they, people want to help. Like, you know, my mum would come over Mm. and, before she'd come over there, I'd be vacuuming the house and doing the dishes and putting a load of laundry mm. on, making sure my bed was made and and things that she wouldn't care about it or that she would like to do if she came over. Like it's okay to let them do that. And I really struggled with letting go and allowing mm. people in and allowing people to help. I know lots of people are the same. So if there's one thing, yeah, I can suggest is they say yes. Mm. And even if it's, you know, and I I know you don't necessarily want people doing your laundry and going through your intimate, but things like <laughs> dishes or cooking a meal, yeah, you know, they're things that anyone can do and anyone can help with yeah. and let them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I wish I did because I, I remember my best friend came over and she arrived a bit earlier than I thought she was going to and I was mid-vacuuming and she was like, Stacey, you have just had a cesarean. Like, <laughs> sit down. I will do it. I'm like, no, no, no. And she's like, no, yeah, this is not okay. Yeah, yeah. I was very similar, and I think it's. I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and I want everything to seem like it's together and everything's fine. And I, I feel like the more I tell myself that things are fine, then they are fine. Like I don't know if I'm just like tricking myself into believing it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I remember people would say, "Is there anything that you need?" And I'd say, "No, no, we're fine." And Matt's mum in particular she's so helpful we established that I used to have to say to her what I explicitly needed because 
yeah she can't read my mind nor do I expect her to but she would say to me you have to tell me what you need and I will do it and then I think when we had that conversation I was able to say hey look actually can you take Logan for a few hours or can you do this I think that then alleviated so much stress and pressure that I was putting on myself that was so unnecessary and I I absolutely know how you feel and I would often do the same thing I more so with my husband I just expect Mm. him to know what I needed or what needed to be bought at the shops or what we needed to get and yeah when he didn't I just go into this rage like how did you not know that we didn't need butter (laughs) you just flip out over the tiniest thing yeah yeah let them know what you need or let them know what they need to get and then they can do it yeah makes total sense totally (laughs) and I think the best thing and as well, you know, I've had friends that have had babies since we've had. And I think something that we really appreciated was gifts of food, like a tray of lasagna yes. or something like that, because everyone needs to eat. It's home cooked food. It's so valuable because when you're so busy, as you say, you're breastfeeding for an hour and then they're down for 20 minutes, then you're trying to get them back to sleep. You have no time to even think about what you want to eat, let alone cook something. Yeah. I became a crazy snacker. (laughs) Them olives. Yeah. (laughs) And it was always just something quick. And I like, we used to never really keep bread in the house. Like we're not big toast eaters or whatever. Yeah. And at one stage we'd have like five loaves of bread in the freezer. So I'd be like, oh, that that looks good. That'll be good snacking bread. And you know, I was just always eating toast, always because it was yeah. just quick and easy to fill you up. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. So, what advice would you give to any new mum or soon-to-be mum listening? I would say let your partner help and teach them. Like quite often, mums and women in general, we're just used to doing so much, mm. and you know, it just comes second nature to us and you know majority of the time it's the mums that are home that are raising the bubbers and you know they know all the tricks like we know all the tips like we know how to get bub to bed we know mm. how to get them to eat yeah and you know you need a break and you need time for yourself you need to have a shower without running through a 20 minute list of things to do <laughs> if the baby wakes up if the baby <laughs> cries you know yeah I just think it's so important, like make sure you let your partner help and make sure you teach them, teach Mm. them the tricks, Yeah, teach them the tips, let them know that they like this certain toy when they're going to bed or whatever. Yeah. Because, you know, the more they can be involved and the more they can help you, the more it helps you yourself. And, you know, if you're happy, you're a better mama. Yeah. And your bubba's happy and your husband's happy or your partner's happy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's happier. It empowers them as well to do it themselves because I feel like particularly for Matt, I think he needs to establish that relationship with him too. But as you say, because I'm with Logan the majority of the time, like he doesn't know the things I remember saying to a friend. Yeah. He let me have a lot. Let me. That sounds bad. I had a lion (laughs) um, the other weekend (laughs) and Logan's on solids now for breakfast. So in the first thing in the morning. So I had a lion and I was like, look, I can sit here and be like, right, give him this, this, and this. And I just didn't. And I just said, just give him breakfast. So anyway, <laughs> later on, I yeah. said to Matt, oh, so what did you feed him? And I think he gave him like spaghetti bolognese <laughs> or like something <laughs> very non-breakfasty. And he was like, oh, I don't know. It's just, you, uh, I just found it in the freezer. Like, da, da, da. it doesn't really matter. And look, it doesn't really matter. Like the kid's still alive and kicking. Yeah. And they don't know what breakfast food is at that age either. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, I'd love spag bowl for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's a really, I think it's a really good and being quite descriptive around what they need because the amount of times as well I don't know about you but in the early stages when Logan would cry 
I would have to stop and really restrict myself from going in and being like, Matt, just give me the baby. Yes. He needs to learn that himself. Do you find that too? Absolutely. It's so hard to just not take over. Yeah. You really have to close off and just be like, no, he or whoever it is is also that that baby's mum or dad and they need to be involved and they need to be able to try these things and learn for themselves mm. because it's so important that, you know, everyone's hands on and they have that connection too. Yeah, absolutely. I remember one day, Logan has never really been much of a fussy baby. And one day, I don't know what it is or what got into him, but he was crying and screaming and I was getting so stressed out. Like, I don't know about you, but when Logan cries, I can feel it in my body like (laughs) it just gives me the stress like straight to my head and it's just awful and I remember Matt was going to put him in in his seat like the little bouncer seat thing Mm. and he was about three months old or something at this point I'm like what are you doing why are you putting him in there and I was getting so stressed out Anyway, that was the antidote because Logan stopped crying. Uh-huh. So here's me being like, why are you doing You're that? You're doing like, it wrong. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And then it worked. And then I just had to kind of eat my yeah. words and put my tail <laughs> yeah. between my legs and apologize. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, it's so funny what you're saying about the crying, how it like hits you right in your core. Because I'm kind of, actually, I'm the opposite. Like with Glenn, Summer makes the smallest noise and he's like, <gasps> he stresses out. He's like, we've got to get in there. We've got to do this. Yeah. We've got to do that. She yeah. needs this. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, she's allowed to cry. Like, let her feel the emotion. Like, she's allowed Mm. to, you know, she's trying to figure out how to communicate. And he's just like, get in there, get in there, get in there, get in there. We need to get her. Yeah. (laughs) Matt and I were the opposite. And I thought (laughs) it was put it down to being a mum thing because you carried them and because you've got this physical connection. You had this physical connection with them for nine months. But we would be in the car and Logan would start crying. And I, like, home would be in five minutes and I would be like Matt pull over right now and he's like can you not just make it home and I'm like no get out of the car I need to get him <laughs> that's exactly the same as my husband I he'll know. climb through the back seat and like <laughs> he's got the phone out and his toys and dummies and like everything yeah. else and I'm like she's gonna be okay <laughs> Yeah, it's but, funny. In hindsight, now I'm like, okay, maybe I was a bit over the top. But when you're in that moment and no. when you're crying and there's nothing you can do, it's painful. It is. Yeah, it is. And it's stressful. And I, yeah, I totally get it. But yeah, it is. And I definitely think it is more mums that yeah. have that rather than dads. But yeah, Glenn is just, <laughs> he can't deal. And when we were, when I was doing all of the sleep training, I did it all during the day when Glenn was at work mm. and waited till I had it all down pat before I tried it at night with him there because I used to you know let her cry for a couple of minutes and then I kind of extended it out a little bit and he was just sitting at the door so anxious Mm. saying we need to get in there and I'm like when the timer goes off if she isn't asleep we can go in yeah and like the second the timer went off she was out like a light and I'm like I told you I'm like I have been doing this training during the day while you've been at work I'm like yeah no I know what's going on now and he was like And that's when he kind of went, okay, all right, I got to trust you a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. What's been the best thing for you about becoming a mum? I'd say the best two things for me is the new intense feeling of love. There is absolutely nothing like the love that you feel for your child just is phenomenal. Like it is the best feeling in the world. (laughs) And, you know, and it made me even think, that's how my mum felt. I like I knew yeah. my mum loved me, but I didn't know she loved me that yeah. much. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it really it really hits you. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and just understanding that and indulging in it 
It's the best. Mm. <laughs> Do you have this newfound appreciation for your mom? Because oh, yeah. for me, like I always appreciate what she did. And my mom, like everyone thinks their mom's the best and <laughs> yeah. this, that, and the other. But after having Logan, I'm like, mate, you are. <laughs> yeah. She had three, I think three by the time she was 25. And my dad used to work away. So she essentially oh, did it all by herself. Wow. And I'm like, you are a superwoman. I know. It just <laughs> it, but I honestly don't know how some moms do it. You yeah. know, I'd always say before becoming a mum see my you know friends with their kids or see mums out there and you go like oh yeah you know good on them no big deal yeah and now I'm like oh my gosh they are amazing (laughs) yeah I know (laughs) I know well look Stacey I just want to say thank you so much for um agreeing to be on the podcast I've thoroughly enjoyed this chat with you and it's been really interesting hearing about your story with Summer and how you find becoming a new mum so thank you for sharing thank you it was super fun thanks for listening to the new mama podcast be sure to hit subscribe to hear future episodes or share with a friend otherwise if you'd like to share your story send me a dm via instagram at new mama podcast and remember it's okay to not be okay we're in this together and mama you got this